franchise win number 500 against Green Bay at home. Hell yeah, let's get right into it. The Vikings are the monster win at home to save their season, 34-31. It was an insane game by both teams. Both quarterbacks were absolutely on fire. Rodgers goes 23 for 33, 385, four touchdowns. Kirk, 24 for 35, 341, three touchdowns. It was America's Game of the Week, and damn, did it deliver. Let's talk about the dozen messages I got real quick about the officiating. First off, for a fucking Packer fan to complain about officiating, not hearing it. Second, what are you arguing? It was a clear helmet-to-helmet on Kirk. Yeah, it should have been a pick because I think uh, JJ ran the wrong route or whatever, but it's clear helmet-to-helmet. That's been a rule for years. You're going to act surprised they called that. And then the pass interference, okay, let's hear your argument. Yeah, I thought so. It's fucking terrible. Didn't turn around, ran into him. You're whatever. I don't understand where your argument is, but fuck out of here with the roughing. Yeah. Anyways, you always need an excuse, but don't take away from it. Both teams appear to be really good and it was a really good game. Justin Jefferson, like just sim, he's simply amazing. Devonte Adams is amazing. Two top five wide receivers in the league, two top 10 quarterbacks in the league. It was uh, everything about it just delivered. I cannot wait to freeze my tits off in Lambeau for that rematch, January 2nd. The the Vikings are struggling without Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce. Green Bay's defense was obviously different without Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith. So hopefully guys are healthy in the rematch. I think we'll see a little more defense if they are. Um, Daniel Hunter, yes, I know, is out for season. But getting Michael Pierce back will be huge, the beast in the middle. So... The Vikings took a firm spot at second in the division. Green Bay still sitting nice and tight up front or up on top of the division, excuse me. So they're not too worried yet. However, like this loss doesn't hurt Green Bay that much, but they do got a, a few tough games coming up. You got the Rams this week coming to Green Bay. That should be a really fun game. Stafford has always played pretty well at Lambeau. He, he can handle that environment. He's played there a lot. I think that helps the Rams a ton. So that's going to be an exciting game. Then you've got the Bears coming to town. Nah, that should be a win. But then you go to Baltimore, and you never know. You know, you might get some snow in that game. Lamar might go nuts. You just never really know with the Ravens what you're going to get. So it'll get interesting down the stretch because the Vikings are kind of the opposite. The Vikings are going to San Francisco this week. That's going to be a tough game simply because Shanahan's an amazing coach. He makes everything easy for his quarterback. They run the ball effectively, So, and that's the recipe to beat Minnesota is run the ball. And um, so, yeah, that. but then the Vikings got, I believe, a couple cakewalks with Detroit, Chicago, and a couple, I think they got it. I, I believe it's the fifth easiest schedule going down the stretch. So whoever, whatever, you know, a bunch of winnable games coming up. Packers have a couple tough games. You never know what can happen, but the Packers, I believe, are going to win the division, which is why it was a huge win for Minnesota because they're staying alive in that super tight, um, super tight uh, wild card chase. Damn, couldn't think of it. Jalen versus Devontae Adams. Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae is going to be Another uh, great matchup this weekend. I almost forgot about that, but everyone gets up for that matchup. You know, Jalen will get up. You know, Devontae will get up. You know, there'll be trash talk. So, yeah, like I said, Stafford typically plays plays well in Green Bay, 
and we all know what Rodgers does. So, yeah, I'm expecting a lot of fireworks in the Packers-Rams game. Uh, both, I believe the Vikings and Packers play at 325 next week. So I'll be keeping my eye on both. Let's go to the Colts and Bills. I'm going to continue to ride Josh Allen. I think he's overrated. He's good enough to win, but you got to use him correctly. And they need to run the damn ball. They, I mean, he's another Trubisky type where you can't expect him to sit in the pocket and pass. It's not his game. He's not an accurate passer from the pocket. They uh, they had 13 carries for the whole team. That's not acceptable. Josh Allen goes 21 for 35, just hit 200 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Trubisky came in, went three for five, 19 yards. He threw a pick. So he's in prime form as a backup, comes in, slings a pick on just five passes. Flip into the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, welcome to the top five running back in the league conversation. Not even conversation. He is. He's top three. This dude is elite. He's ca carried the Colts to their third straight win, but fifth win of their last six games. He had 32 carries, 185 yards, four rushing touchdowns, three catches, 19 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So you get five touchdowns. Fantasy owners were drooling. Uh, if, if you had him, I hopefully... You hopefully locked up your spot in the playoffs, or if you were a borderline team, you got a huge win. If you lost with him on your team, I assume the other guy had Austin Eckler, who we'll get to later. But, yeah, that dude, Jonathan Taylor, just continues to impress. Impress another huge win for the Colts, this time on the road. They're to improve to 6-5. and five. The Buffalo Bills fall to 6-4 and four as the Patriots now lead the AFC East once again. Looks like they're back on top already. The Bills are kind of reeling here. They've had some close wins on the season, and it kind of seems like the Bills either crush a team or don't win. They don't really play in a lot of tight ball games. So, And the Patriots and Bills both, both play each other twice in the next five weeks. So things are going to get real tight in the AFC East. Moving on to the Ravens, Bears, boring. You got Tyler Huntley, my boy out of Utah, versus Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad to watch, and then Fields got hurt. And then the Red Rifle comes in, throws a bomb. Wide receiver screen for 60 yards, two for two. Dude was on fire. And then the Bears somehow left Sammy Watkins wide open in the final drive of the game to set up a Devontae Freeman. <sighs> might have forgot he's only on a team because the Ravens had 12 running backs get hurt this year. But Devontae Freeman gets the game when he touched on the Bears fall to three and seven. Their season's over. Ravens improved to seven and three, and they did it without Lamar on the road. The highlight of that game, Matt Nagy getting booed. Fire Nagy or whatever it was. That shit's hilarious. They even did it at the Bulls game last night. Yeah, that shit's amazing. Lions Browns, you want to talk about boring? There was another one. DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are so good. Unfortunately, they are stuck on the Detroit Lions, so their careers are probably going to get wasted. Mayfield sucks. I know he's hurt, but it's time to stop making all these excuses. If he's out there playing, he's he's healthy enough to play. And some of these throws, like, it's not even about accuracy. His decision-making isn't there, and then his accuracy is not there on top of it. So Nick Chubb is carrying that team. The The Browns still have a winning record. I, I don't know what to say. I thought they were going to be really good this year. They lose OBJ. They 
looked really good their first game without him. They go on the road, dominate a good Cincinnati team, and then lay this shit show against the Lions. They somehow won. This game warrants nothing more. Texans, Titans, you put Tannehill in a rainstorm, he turns into Payton Niederman. 35 for 52, 323 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions against the Texans. Come on, dude. Tyrod Taylor had two rushing touchdowns, but he was awful. 14 for 24, 107 yards. 14 completions for a buck seven. Yawn. Don't worry, though. Rex Burkhead, who I'm sure we're all learning together, was a Texan, had a whopping or had 18 carries for a whopping 40 yards. You're good. Oh, my. An electric offensive output, just too much for the Titans defense. Titans are 8-3 and three with losses to the 2-8 and eight Texans and the 2-8 and eight Gents, two and eight Jets, but they also have wins against the Rams, Bills, and Chiefs. I, it's the Titans, man. They they don't like going that far above 8-8. Eight and eight. That's what they want to be at, so... Dolphins, Jets, Joe Flacco went nuts, 291 yards a pair of touchdowns. And here is my stat of the day. Joe Flacco, in in a week 11 loss at home, delivered the first game of the season for the Jets without throwing an interception. In week 11, that's right, week 11, the Jets had a, it had a Jets quarterback had thrown an interception in every single game of the season prior to this game against the Dolphins, and it was Joe Flacco. Tua looked pretty good, other than his um dog shit interception, which you can count on one of those a week, it seems like. And I believe that Jalen Waddle could be really, really good if the Dolphins learn how to open their offense up in the next few years. Um, I don't know if I said the score. Dolphins won 24-17 on the road. Going to the Eagles and the Saints. The Eagles with a 40-29 win. Seaman threw a couple picks that ruined, you know, a road. It was a big road game for the Saints. They they should have won that game, but those couple turnovers they had were just huge. Looks like Seaman came back down to earth. He sucks again. Jalen Hurts, another quarterback, or another running back who lines up at quarterback, had three rushing touchdowns. He did have one of the nastiest jukes I've seen of the season, at least. He broke that DN linebacker, whatever the hell he was. That was insane. Pretty much a clinch that game up when it got a little bit tight at the end. It it was such – if you guys haven't seen it, please go look it up. It hurt my knees just watching it, Um, watching what he did to that dude. Lots of, lots of offense in the link as the Eagles saved their season, improving to 5-6. and six. The Saints are in trouble at 5-5 five and five and losers of three straight. They need a quarterback. They also need some receivers, too. I'm not going to lie. They're, Michael Thomas being hurt has hurt them a lot. Washington versus Carolina. That walkout by Cam, that intro, that, that shit will give you goosebumps. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. I'm so happy to see him back. He played very well in an upset loss at home to Tyler Hineke, who continues to impress. Kind of makes you wonder how they had Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starter, like, like a no-doubt starter in that game or to start the season because Taylor's been pretty good all year. He goes 16 for 22, 206 yards, three touchdowns. He had about 30 rushing yards as well. The difference in this game was honestly, it was, it was execution and big spots. The Panthers were two for nine on third, one for three on fourth. Washington was six for 13 on third down 
and two for two on fourth. So in the big spots and the big moments of the game, Washington made the winning plays, and they absolutely stole a road win to improve to four and six as Carolina falls to five and six. They ruined the home caming. <laughs> Get it? Home caming? Like homecoming, but Cam, yeah. Uh, Jaguars, you're good. Lose at home 30 to 10 to the Niners. The Niners capitalized off of a couple wide receiver fumbles by the Jags and dominate on the road, bringing them to five and five, heading into a massive home game against my five and five Vikings. It's a big game in the wild card chase. Neither team looks like they're going to win the division, but they can get into that wild card spot. So a couple five and five teams going head to head next Sunday, 325 on Fox. Bengals and Raiders. And I'm sorry if you're a Jaguars fan listening. I'm sorry that I never give your team attention. You just don't warrant it. I always skim over their games quick. I'm actually not sorry. Be good and then I'll care. Or at least have Trevor Lawrence lighting up the board, like the the box score, and then I'll talk about him. But no. Bengals, 32. Raiders, 13. The Raiders are not real once again. Uh, they jumped to five and five as Cincy dominates on the road, improving to six and four, staying alive in the divisional race. That division is nuts. The Ravens lead the AFC North at seven and three, but no one's convinced they're the best team in that division because they have so many narrow wins against bad teams. Cincy is second at six and four. The reeling Steelers are five, four, and one. The Browns are in last at six and five. So that division is wild stacked. Back to the game, though, Joe Mixon had a huge game, 123 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Jamar Chase caught another touchdown as they shared the wealth on offense. Uh, Burroughs was spreading it all over the place. Nine different players recorded a catch. And, you know, they just – the Raiders – you you basically at this point, you just got to let the Raiders beat themselves. It's kind of like when you play the Lions. Hang around, and they'll just continue to beat themselves. The Raiders – they're, they're just falling apart very rapidly. Three straight losses, back-to-back -back at home, but it's not just losing. You lose on the road to a bad Giants team where your offense didn't play well, then get absolutely throttled back-to-back -back games in your new stadium, getting outscored 73-27 to against the Chiefs and the, um, and the Bengals. You let people come into your building and just absolutely dominate. I don't know if it's losing Gruden. I don't know if it's the, the two players that they had to release due to off-the-field incidents. I It's just a mess in Oakland once again. Just when you thought they were getting their shit together and having a good season, it all came crumbling down. So, yeah, the franchise is a mess. It's clearly affecting the players on the field. One of those teams that whooped them um, is the streaking Chiefs, who we're going to talk about now. They beat Dallas. That was a fucking boring game. Another game where the Chiefs offense looked so constipated. We all thought, you know, maybe it was solved. But then we realized it was just the shitty Raiders. You know, last week, Mahomes throws 500 or 400 yards, I believe, five touchdowns, no interceptions. This game, he doesn't even throw a touchdown. He threw a pick. And, yeah, he, he didn't account for any touchdowns against Dallas, which, I mean, I guess credit Dallas's defense, but... Dak Prescott was also terrible in this one. Two interceptions, and he had no touchdowns. It was a boring game. The teams combining for 9 for 27 on third down, leading to 10 punts and six field goal attempts. That's all the analysis you really need. Cardinals beat the Seahawks on the road, 
Russell Wilson was really bad again. He was sacked four times, two fumbles, no touchdowns, two rushing yards. I'm going to say it. DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. Overrated, bud. You're just, you're fucking overrated. There, I said it. Pete Carroll, too. Go the fuck back to USC. They need you. Colt McCoy goes off for 328 in your stadium. Two touchdowns, no picks. He had three fumbles, but they recovered each one, so who gives a shit? Zach Ertz had a monster game. Eight catches, 88 yards, two tuds. Matt Prater had a terrible game. He went one for three, also missed an extra point, and they still beat you by 10 in Seattle? I told you all way back in my first episode, things are about to be changing big time in Seattle in the next year. It was a slop fest in Seattle, but never, nonetheless, a big road win for the Cardinals. Another win without Kyler Murray. Going to Sunday night football. Chargers, Steelers did not disappoint. I'm not going to lie. I actually quit, quit watching when the Chargers had that big lead. I ran to the store or something, and I come back, and it's tied at 34, and then the Steelers kicked a field goal to go up 37-34. It was a great road win at home for the Chargers. Steelers fans were so loud. There was terrible towels everywhere, but Herbert overcomes a hostile environment at home. Big Ben and Eckler had great games as well. Herbert with 90 yards rushing, 382 passing, three touchdowns, did have the interception that let the Steelers kind of get back into it. Steelers, like I said earlier, they stormed back to take a 37-34 late lead. They put up 27 points in the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, it was Eckler-Herbert. They were too much. Eckler had four touchdowns, I believe, in the day, two catching, two rushing. And then Mike Williams cut a 53-yard touchdown with two minutes left. And the defense held on for a Chargers win. So, like I said earlier, if you had JT or Eckler on fantasy or both, I mean, congrats, because your team's looking damn good, especially after this week. The Chargers stay alive in the division chase, though. You got the Chiefs who are hot, and the Chargers needed this win to, to keep pace with them, as it appears those two teams are going to pull away from Denver and Oakland. Um, the Chiefs are hosting the Broncos next week in a big one. And then Pittsburgh travels to Cincy. So, and that's going to be a monster division game. I, we, I already mentioned how tight the AFC North was. So let's get to Monday night. Daniel Jones reverts back to his old days of being horrible. Brady is hands down the MVP this year. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of quarterbacks getting interceptions on their stat line because receivers don't want to catch the damn ball. Mike Evans, it was right in your hands. And then it's, it's Mahomes too. It's not only that your your main guys are dropping balls. How the hell do you drop it up into the air every time for an interception? So, to me, that should be a wide receiver stat. Quarterback should not get an interception for throwing a good ball right in his receiver's hands, and then it ends up with a defender. That's not his fault. Nonetheless, Brady and the Bucks dominated Monday Night Football, as I predicted. Well, we should have all predicted it. It's the fucking Giants. But highlight of the game was... The Giants tackle caught a touchdown, meaning he now has more receiving touchdowns than Kenny Galladay and their, I believe, second, it was first through three rounds draft pick, Kadarius Toney. And he's tied with Darius Slayton in receiving touchdowns. That should have been my stat of the day. A, a tackle whose name I don't even know is tied with Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, or no, beating them combined in touchdown catches this year and tied with Darius Slayton. 
So updating the standing, it's been a wild year in the AFC. The difference between the fifth seed and the 12th seed is literally one game. The NFC, it's very similar. The 6th through 12th seeds are separated by just a game. So many big games coming up. The end of the season always features the division rivalries, and that's going to start paying major dividends for the winners and losers. Each week is going to be season-ending or season-saving wins the losses for so many teams. I'm going to preview the Thanksgiving games and covering a lot more sports from the weekend next, so stay tuned, y'all. going to get their first win i'm taking the lions at home thanksgiving day 11 30 a.m kickoff in detroit love watching them at home every year the bears have dropped three straight they could be without fields the lions run the ball well i just think that it's two bad teams and the lions are going to come out and be be ultra physical at the line and pull the upset I honestly wanted to go to this game. Something about the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving just makes me happy. It's a great tra- great tradition. Um, and who's going to get the turkey leg? I'm going to pick DeAndre Swift. I'll take Detroit in an absolute dogfight, 23-14. Raiders-Cowboys. It's a pretty nice loaded slate we got here coming up. Raiders-Cowboys, this was going to be an awesome 3.30 matchup until the Raiders became a Canadian Football League team over the last three weeks. But also, Dallas has looked really, really bad two of their last three weeks also, so I really don't know what we're going to get in this game. It's going to be super hard to predict. However, I'll take Dallas 34-23. Dak eats the turkey leg. We got Bills-Saints. This should be a fun 7.30 game in New Orleans. Lots of defense, though, in my opinion. I think I think the Saints are going to pull out a low-scoring 17-13 win. It's a big, pivotal home game for the Saints, and honestly, I hope they lose. I just think that they're, they're going to eke out a win, a save-the-season type of win. On the flip side, though, the Bills, if they're smart, they're going to look at what just uh, Jalen Justin Hurts. Jalen Hurts just did to the Saints defense, and they're going to use Josh Allen to run the damn ball more. They could end up with a 30-13 type blowout win if if they get that run game going, if they get Josh Allen going, run similar offense to what the Eagles did to torch that D. But it is a different environment when you go to New Orleans. If the Saints win, give me AK-41. If he plays, obviously, it's looking like he's going to. But if he doesn't, I'll take someone on their defense. I think someone on their defense will have a big game and eat the turkey leg. That's about it for NFL talk. I want to get some college football in now. Ohio State, my goodness. Hottest offense in the damn nation right now. C.J. Stroud lit up a terrible Michigan State secondary. Goes 32 for 35. Insane. 432 yards. Nuts. Six touchdowns. In the first half. Complete and utter domination by the Buckeyes. And a complete letdown by Michigan State. It was it was basically over from the get-go. Michigan State was down so fast, they were never even able to try and get Heisman candidate Kenneth Walker going. And it was just a, a statement before 
next week's monster game at Michigan. That rivalry is nuts. And Michigan also flexed their muscle on the road. They dominated a decent Maryland team 59 to 18. So both teams just put up massive monster performances, setting up college football's biggest game of the season. This Saturday, 11 a.m. in the big house. Number four, Ohio State. Number six, Michigan. Had to had to take the spot representing their side of the Big Ten in the title game. Basically securing a spot in the playoff, barring any upset by Wisconsin, which I don't think Wisconsin can beat Michigan or Ohio State. So I truly believe the winner of this game is going to win the Big Ten title and get in the Final Four. There's no way you can keep Ohio State or Michigan out if they have one loss over Cincinnati. I'm sorry, there's just no way. Cincinnati does not have that tough a schedule. They don't play in the Big Ten. They don't play in a Power 5 conference. Anyway, I, I I just can't wait for that game, the Michigan-Ohio State game. It's going to be absolutely nuts. That crowd is going to be alive. I believe that stadium still holds like the most fans in the nation. So, Meanwhile, Georgia once again dominating. I know they played a bad team, but they did what they were supposed to do against bad teams. 56-7. to I'm shocked they gave up seven points. Bama struggled against a very good Arkansas team, surviving though. 42 to 35. So both those teams are a win away from securing an SEC championship between the nation's two top premier programs. And what, oh man, I can't wait. Georgia in Alabama is going to be a good game. I, I think that Georgia ends up pulling away in the fourth quarter, but also I can't, I can't say that Bama's for sure going to be there. They got to go to Auburn this week and crazy shit happens in the iron bowl. So Oregon did what Oregon does. They disappointed on the road against a lesser appointment. The Pac-12 will once again not have a team in the Final Four, and deservedly so, as the Ducks got hammered on the road 38-7 by the Utes. Yeah. (sighs) Joke. Here's a team no one is talking about, and they really should be. Oklahoma State, second-best defense in the nation. It was another dominant road win. They win 23-0 at Texas Tech. The Cowboys are a one-loss team, and they're mad underrated, and I don't know why. They have a chance to change that this week, though, when they host Oklahoma. I think if they put it on them, if they can get a double-digit win against Oklahoma, I think that's going to change a lot of people's mind about them because they they should already be ranked higher than they are, but that's a team that could sneak into the Final Four as well. They, they There's no reason to keep them out. Cincinnati finally dominated a game for four quarters. They beat SMU 48-14. They played well, you know, and the last part that I said is so key. For four quarters, they did it because every other game, they have a big lead, but in the fourth quarter, they let teams make these big rallies. This time, they did not. So it's a it's a big Saturday coming up. Make sure to clear your schedule, get your snacks, and tune in. Rivalry games all over the schedule. Like I said, you got the Iron Bowl between Bama and Auburn. That should be fun. North Carolina versus North Carolina State. Come on, Tar Heels, beat State. They're like the little unwanted stepchild. Come on, man, we don't lose to them. Ohio State at Michigan, as I said. You got Gophers, Badgers battling for Paul Bunyan's axe. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Notre Dame, Stanford. And there's a lot more. I mean, even like non-ranked teams, there's still a lot of good rivalries going on this week. College football is insanely competitive, as always. And now that each game has stakes, like I said, Uh, Last week, teams are fighting for a bowl eligibility spot. 
uh, New Year's bowls, what type of bowls. Everything's going to be shaping out this weekend. So that being said, I'll be back with more sports in a second. Stay tuned. Badgers basketball, you have a star. My alma mater went to state, would have won state of senior year if it weren't for the COVID crap. Johnny Davis, shout out to my boy. Led the Badgers back from a 16-point deficit against Texas A&M in the first game of the Maui Invitational, and he played phenomenal. It wasn't just his scoring. It was his defense, his ball movement. He just he changed the game. He did. Uh, Brad Davidson hit a couple cut shots, but <clears throat> he's 29, so he should. College hoops all week. Again, they started at 10 a.m. today. You know, I oh, I just I don't get how if you if you're not getting into it, I don't know. You don't even like basketball. You're figuring out contenders and pretenders of the early basketball season. Gonzaga and Purdue to me look like the two best teams in the nation here on early. My squad UNC is terrible. Everyone should be cut. No scholarship should be given to anyone, especially Caleb Love. Because I can't even watch them bums. But make sure y'all tune in tonight. 9 p.m. ESPN, number one Gonzaga versus number two UCLA. Rematch of that Final Four thriller they had. Um, Early season, packed action. Got to give the Zags some credit. I usually rip them because they're weak-ass conference play, but they are scheduling everybody in non-con play. They they already beat number five Texas by 12. They got number two UCLA tonight, number five Duke on Friday, number 10 Bama on December 4th, and then I believe they got a couple other games like Texas Tech and stuff coming up too, so taking any top games they can get. Also, today, Johnny, oh my gosh, dropping a 30 ball on the number 12 team in the nation as they pull the upset against Houston. Houston made a good-ass comeback. They were down 20, but Johnny was just too much. Again, put up a 30 ball, clutch buckets, answered the down the stretch. So, like I said, y'all got to be tuning in. This shit is so fun. I could watch it all day, every day. NBA action is heating up. LeBitch James got into a fight. And said, said him hitting that dude in the face, whoever that nobody dude is, he said that was an accident. Fuck no, it wasn't. If you haven't seen it, go look at it. LeBron looked right at him and swung a fist right at his face. I wish that dude would have slept, Bron, honestly. Lillard appears to finally be getting his shit together. Ben Simmons is still a sixer. He's not playing at all. And I, I don't know why they're doing that. Like, make a damn trade. That trade offer for that he made to the Celtics was so ridiculous. Tried to get fucking Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and um damn, someone else that's pretty good. And two two first rounders for Ben Simmons. Do you understand? He averages like 14, 8, and 7 in his career. Hell no. The Celtics, the, re, the report that I saw was that the Celtics GM hung up on him, and he should have. That is an embarrassing-ass offer from a sorry-ass 76ers franchise. They're so sorry, and they always will be, which good. I can't stand them. Everything Philadelphia, I just can't stand. The Bulls are really good. The Bucks are getting back to being healthy. Um you know, like I said, the Bulls are good. DeMar DeRozan has been phenomenal. You got Zach Levine, who's capable of dropping 40 any night. Lonzo Ball's been huge for them. Steph, Steph is the MVP of the young season. The Warriors are the best team in the league right now. And 
Clay Clay Thompson is less than a month away from being back. Like, it could be less. I, I saw he's cleared to practice. They said he looks good in practice. They're just working on, you know, confidence and repetition, shit like that, building up that strength. And he's going to be back very soon, which, by the way, if you're in my fantasy league, prepare for a fucking takeover because now that I got Clay, pfft. yeah, that was a ninth round steal. Anyway, the NBA, as same with college basketball, it's action-packed. There's games every night. If you want to see grown men cry like babies, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Last but not least, I'll have Caleb's comment, and then we'll get we'll get you out of here. Send you off on your Thanksgiving weekend next. Thanksgiving is upon us. Yeah, as you can tell, my gobbler is not great. Let me start with this: turkey is the main course over everything. Not ham, not chicken, nothing else. It's turkey, turkey stuffing, green bean casserole. Coconut cream pie, snickerdoodles, some good dinner rolls, and that's it. Quit getting fancy with this shit. Someone said pizza? Piss off. That is not a Thanksgiving food. Anyway, that's not what this part's about. It's about being thankful. And what are we thankful for? I mean, we obviously have a lot to be thankful for. And honestly, over the last couple of years, the world's been hurting. It's been negative all over the news, you know, COVID, the deaths have been skyrocketing shootings all this negativity going around so if you're here and you're listening to this be happy be thankful because you're healthy you're smiling and a lot of people aren't so make sure to enjoy your time on earth to love deeply surround yourselves with family thank god for for all that we have um i'm very thankful for for all you who listen i'm thankful for all you who support me um thankful for the the happy season you know the holiday season just makes me so happy I, you know i get to go home see my family see my son i'm thankful i get to watch all these sports you know got blessed with the vikings win over green bay packers suck it and just so much more that i'm blessed with so have a fun and safe thanksgiving y'all eat until you fall asleep and we will talk again soon everybody love everybody